the In Between Fantasy Football Podcast, Season 4. Let's go, baby. Yeah. There was a time I had trouble talking about it. Congratulate them, we know they doubted. Somehow we made it up out the pit, back against the wall. Never quit, traversing through each obstacle. Show a non-believer what's possible. Let nothing they could do stand in between me and my wildest dreams. Let's go. Nothing that come at us could come in between. Life gave me the worst, yet my side grew so green. We've been down in the dirt, been tossed in the trash. But I never strayed from my path. When we're gone, we ain't looking back. Maybe we were all way too high. Maybe that's our fault. It's going to be a crazy time, but it's going to be a fun time. Life is boring if you don't take some chances and do some things outside the box. Your destination for both some feel-good lifestyle advice and some fancy football advice. All right, all right, all right. Welcome in to the afternoon edition of the In Between Fantasy Football Podcast. Seth, Jen, and Nate back here with you. And you guessed it, guys. We have the man, the myth, the legend, Field Yates, NFL insider, and co-host of the fantasy-focused football podcast for ESPN. What's good, Field? Not too much. Thanks for having me back. I feel distinguished and honored to be back for a second time. Got Cisco, my dog, right here next to me. He's a big fan of the show. Honored to be back on. He is currently snoring, so if you hear him, my apologies. But I'm not sure if this microphone is strong enough to catch those uh, cute little snores of his. <laughs> I mean, don't feel bad. We have a cat who will probably insert himself at some point during this hey, show. So more merrier. Yeah. <laughs> Field, uh, field. It, it was probably a crazy last week for you covering the NFL draft, man. Um, probably traveling all over the place. I, you know, I know you guys were on the podcast earlier this week, breaking it down with Matthew and Stefania. So, yeah. uh, you feeling okay heading into uh, midweek now? Yeah, I think we're going to catch our breath here soon. You know, the NFL draft is sort of like, you know, someone has made the comparison. It's kind of like getting dismissed for school for the summer. Uh, there are OTAs and there are mandatory mini camps that will take place. Uh, OTAs starting soon and 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 the mandatory mini camp I think about a month from now. Plus rookie mini camps and offseason workouts, but those take on a different level of significance, right? They're voluntary. Mm-hmm. We probably talk more about the players that aren't there than are there. And candidly, um, you know, it's just it's it's basically just guys running around without pads on. So uh, a lot of the coverage ends up being more sort of big picture as opposed to specific. So it gives us a chance to sort of slow down a little bit. And uh, ESPN Fantasy uses the draft as sort of like the inaugural day to discuss the year ahead. Not that we haven't been discussing it, but, you know, it's hard to rank a running back if you don't know if that team is going to draft a running back high, as an example, or, you know, it's hard to, to rank a receiver if you don't know who his quarterback is going to be because that team plans to pick one in the draft. So we are turning the page officially to 2022. We were already, but now we're really in full gear. So looking forward to what's ahead. Awesome. Jen and Nate, how are you guys feeling? Um, I just got back from Vegas over the weekend on Sunday. I've um, been battling a little, little bit of a stomach flu as I came back here, but uh, made it today. Jen and Nate, you guys were, were home. I know you guys were paying close attention to the draft, though. Yeah, we, we actually had Herms out here with us, and uh, that was a fun time to, I mean, literally the TV was on all day and all night just watching all the coverage, and uh, lots of lots of surprises, 
lots of shocking moves as everyone experienced. Yeah. But otherwise, we're good. The weather's kind of crummy today, but um, we're looking ahead to 80 degree temperatures this weekend. I got to watch the NFL draft all weekend with my wife without getting in trouble. So I'm great. <laughs> that's awesome that's awesome well i appreciate you guys being here i appreciate everyone in between media as well um we've had some awesome nfl draft coverage so far also with the cooperative media network had a great time out there um got to photograph videograph some nfl players that were there elijah mitchell fred warner so super thankful to meet those guys and that entire experience out there today on the show guys we are absolutely jam-packed Field, he's here. He's going to give us the inside scoop on some of these bigger NFL moves that's transpired. He's also going to give us an inside look at his transition into fatherhood as well, which uh, we're super thankful for, too. Of course. This is, uh, and I know Nate's going to probably say, like, you're doing it all wrong. He's been doing it a little bit longer than I have. But that's okay. I'm, I'm prepared. You know, one thing about fatherhood is it's like, uh, it's like, it's like uh, refining your golf swing. There's never such thing as the perfect golf swing. There's always a chance to get a little bit better. So looking forward to talking football, being a dad, everything in between. Uh, say two topics that I'm quite passionate about these days. <laughs> awesome. No pun intended there from field as well. Uh, love throwing the in-between in there. Guys, uh, we are going to get started here with some front and center. But before we do, if you are tuning in today, uh, easiest way to support the show, everything we do here at IBT is to hit that subscribe button on YouTube or mm. on all the audio platforms that you're listening to, Apple, Spotify, wherever that is. We are so thankful for the in-between family um, and our amazing audience out there. Um, so guys, let's go ahead and jump into it with Front and Center. Sometimes taking that first step out the door is the hardest thing to do. Give it a chance, you'll be begging for more. Save the spot just for you. We're all somewhere man it does not matter what kind of day i am having nate miller is on our guy who's always making our drops and music here they always get me fired up and ready to go, man. I'm so thankful for that guy. Yeah, that was yeah, awesome. He, he kills it. He does. And by the way, before we get going, a minute ago, Seth, you asked everybody to subscribe. And think about all the things you could ask out of someone who's listening or watching this. You know, I always love to support people that are good content creators. And if that means some money through a Patreon or a personal website, they work for a subscription-based website, do it. Like, I'm an advocate of supporting those people. But I understand that finances are different for everybody. All you asked for was a subscri subscribe. Like, just touch a button. All you got to do, like, if you subscribe and never watch the show again, at least you're subscribed. Now, if yeah. you're smart, you'll watch the show again. But anybody out there <laughs> listening or watching, if you don't subscribe, you're a sucker. Just just listen to the man, do what he has to say, press subscribe, and we'll thank you later somehow. Yeah, we, I mean, honestly, I don't even care if they ever watch again, as long as they're subscribed. here, people. <laughs> so guys field i appreciate that man um i also appreciate your insight that you're going to bring us man because i mean what a wild first round this was i mean we it's did awesome. not we had not seen this many trades in a long time in the nfl draft one quarterback selected to my pittsburgh steelers kenny pickett so i was you know i, I was thankful for that um but hollywood brown man he was on the move for the 23rd overall pick he's going to the arizona cardinals 
This is a deal that looks like it's, it's been in the works for some time. I actually read an article on ESPN earlier this week that he kind of had to hide this from Kyler Murray, even though they were working out together. Um, but then the news came out on Monday that DeAndre Hopkins, he was suspended for six games um, due to uh, violating the league's PD usage. So, Field, can you break this down a little bit for us, put on that NFL insider hat? Were these moves connected in any shape or form? They were not, con- I mean, they were connected in a sense, but they were not the, like the trade for Hollywood Brown was not primarily motivated by the fact that DeAndre Hopkins is going to miss the first six games of this upcoming season. Uh, the fact that he is only fortifies the value of Hollywood Brown to the Arizona Cardinals. But this was about the fact that they felt they needed to get better at wide receiver in a hurry. And while this NFL draft was once again considered deep at wide receiver, NFL teams will tell you there's something to be said for proven commodities. And I don't know exactly when Hollywood Brown will get an extension done with the Arizona Cardinals, but I do expect that he'll get an extension done at some point. You don't trade a first-round pick for a guy and let him walk away in just a couple of seasons. And you are correct. This deal was definitely in the works prior to the draft. I know Kyler Murray is pleading ignorance. He, I'm sure, was aware of the fact that there was going to be a trade for mm-hmm. Hollywood Brown and the motivation for Arizona, and that's just the fact that Hollywood Brown, at his best, can be a pretty unique player. He's got plenty of speed. He's extremely dynamic. Uh, but a guy who had a ton of experience and familiarity with Kyler Murray in an offense that's very similar to what they're playing right now in Arizona during their college tenure together at Oklahoma. And Hollywood Brown, like minutes after the trade broke, was – taking pictures at the Arizona Cardinals draft party. Like right. this was work for a while. This, he was there, you know, he'd already been on a private plane on his way to Arizona from Baltimore or wherever it was that he was training during the off season. So while it did not make it out private uh, publicly, uh, it was definitely something that had been uh, agreed to privately for at least a day, probably more like multiple days. And, you know, I, I think the calculation that Arizona is making is that they feel more comfortable with the bird in hand, knowing that Marquise Brown is what he is. They've seen him for a few years, whereas you could have taken somebody like, as an example, at that 23rd pick, whether it was uh, Christian Watson, who went 34th overall, but he was, I believe, the seventh wide receiver off the board. Traylon Burks was the last at 18. So you're sort of saying to yourself, Christian Watson at 23 or Marquise Brown at 23? And it's a lot more expensive to acquire Hollywood Brown because you're going to have to pay him soon. But they felt as though the value was too significant there. And Arizona is certainly working hard to make sure that their quarterback stays happy as well. Hence the deal. Yeah, absolutely. Jen, as far as fantasy terms go, I, I know you've been on Zach Ertz. You've been pounding the table for him already this offseason as well. Do you think, are you more interested in drafting Zach Ertz or Hollywood Brown with the news that D-Hop is going to miss these first six weeks here? I mean, the production that, Marquise Brown is going to get as soon as he gets to Arizona is, I mean, probably unparalleled to Zach Ertz as far as I'm concerned. So, I mean, I've always, if, if there's been an opportunity for me to have Hollywood on my roster, I've always taken it, not always happily. And I haven't Mm -hmm. always been happy with his production, (laughs) Um, but probably. I think what's interesting is so Hollywood Brown in those first six games could be the wide receiver one in that offense. I'm assuming that over Rondale Moore, hmm. but that doesn't necessarily mean that Zach Ertz isn't going to produce. I I still think Zach Ertz's ceiling is a top five finish this season, no matter what, even with the acquisition of Marquise Brown. I want them both. Yeah. I, 
I, I talked a little bit about it in a post yesterday, but I think my approach to maybe Hollywood Brown this season, and maybe this is just because I've seen the drop off from Kyler Murray later in the season. Um, but I'm going to be targeting Hollywood Brown. And then I think after a month into the season, if he's producing, I'm going to try and flip him. I'm going to try to get in a more consistent offense and a more consistent wide receiver. Um, that's just my approach to it. Feel, do you have any, a, any feel for, for if you're targeting Hollywood in, in fantasy or any of these other Arizona pass catchers? That was an interesting call there. I was sort of flipping him after a month. You know, my general rule of thumb is that like everybody's on my radar. It's just a matter of what cost. Right. Like, I had a hard time. I was doing my rankings today and like, you get to 20 wide receiver. I think I had a Mon Ross St. Brown at wide receiver 20. And obviously there's a lot more pass catchers around there, but he was the best wide receiver in fantasy for like a six week stretch last year. Oh yeah. It was like a Mon Ross St. Brown and other players that are like absolute ballers. And you're like, wow, like, you know, um, like guys that are like T Higgins, who was like an absolute stud last year, over a thousand receiving yeah. yards. And you're like, these guys are right on the precipice of wide receiver 20. And I have to find room for Hollywood Brown, who has been far less consistent. I know that Amon Ross St. Brown's only done it for one year, but his peak is bigger than Marquise Brown's peak, or I should say more substantial. I believe Hollywood's best game ever was his first game against the Dolphins just a few yeah. years ago. So um, interesting call there. I don't, you know, I'm, here's my, and this is a little bit of a tangent here, but like my general rule uh, as it pertains to like ranking players and fantasy is that like I would really prefer not to do it by like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. It would be more along the lines of if I'm going through wide receivers, there's a group of them. I think it's like seven or eight this year, where I say to myself, like, absolute rock solid every single week. Wouldn't be surprised by 25 fantasy points. Wouldn't be surprised if he finishes the best wide receiver in fantasy. Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, you know, guys, even if even though they've changed teams, right? Like players of that caliber who I think have a real shot at being the wide receiver one. This year, Stephon Diggs, amongst others. Then you kind of go through categories. And Marquise Brown would be the kind of guy that, like, he is, he's got some he's got some legitimate upside to be the wide receiver one in his own offense and a good offense at that. But I understand that there's a chance he could be a wide receiver three. So um, my, my price point will be a little bit lower uh, as a result of that, that wide range there. Yeah. 100% field and uh, another receiver who's kind of in that range or at one point was in that locked in uh, loaded wide receiver one range was AJ Brown. Yeah. He was also traded on draft day as well. He goes to the Eagles for the 18th overall pick and field already alluded to that. The uh, Titans selected Traylon Burks with that pick um, field. Can, can you talk a little bit about how this deal came together? Um, Cause it seemed like it, it was pretty seamless. And then AJ Brown pretty quickly agreed to a new four-year, $100 million deal in Philadelphia. I know it made a lot of Philly fans happy after, you know, really having an atrocious uh, passing core the last couple of years. Yeah, so Philly has been sort of stocking these receivers for a few years now, and uh, a lot of us, if we did mock drafts, suggested Philadelphia could take a wide receiver. They would have become the second team in the modern era to go back-to-back-to-back years with the first-round wide receiver. Only the Lions from 2003 to 2005 did the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, so uh, it has not happened often. And I guess you can make the case that they sort of did do that because they traded away a first round pick for AJ Brown. But Philly, you know, this to me feels a little bit different than Arizona for a few reasons. One of which is that Philly has had two first round picks, they actually had three, as we all remember, and they traded one away <clears throat> and recouped a uh, first round pick next year, plus a second round pick next year from New Orleans. But I looked at their flexibility in a different way than I did Arizona. 
Philly's also got a younger roster in some key spots than Arizona. Like Arizona's got more sort of veterans they've brought aboard in recent years, like A.J. Brown, uh, A.J. Green, and J.J. Watt. Uh, they want to win sooner rather than later to play in a better division, too. Like, Philly is in a division where they can afford to be sort of patient but also selectively aggressive, and it's one of those selective aggressive moves is that A.J. Brown's 24 years old, like – Trading for him is going to cost a lot of money, obviously. It's going to basically be five years and $102 million bucks for him. But they also have him through the prime of his career. And, you know, I think we've been saying this for over a year now is that, like, we're going to learn a lot about Jalen Hurts. And at the end of next year, the evaluation is going to be, like, crystal clear. I think there are people that you could talk to right now that would say, eh, I watched that game against Tampa in the playoffs, and he's not it. Or hey, that's Nate Hill. Say, hey, you know what? I watched that game. I watched the whole season, and I kind of feel like he has a chance with better weapons and better, you know, more consistent running game uh, or whatever. Philadelphia ran the ball extremely well last year, even though they didn't have any guy, any like, you know, top end running backs that were consistently on the field. Miles Sanders being banged up. Uh, point is that you can, you can make a case for both sides of the Jalen Hurts argument. After this year, you can't, because if he's not great this year, then it means he's not the answer. Nate, yeah, I can. Go ahead. Stand, <laughs> I've taken I've taken a bit of heat for this from Eagles fans. Okay, it's not that I don't think Jalen Hurts is talented. He is a talented quarterback. There's there's some work to be done on his passing accuracy and what he does in the pocket, but the raw talent's there. He cannot survive as a top twelve QB or as a QB one in fantasy with that rushing upside. Forty one percent of his points. Fantasy points in 2021 were from his rushing statistics. I cannot imagine he's going to score 10 rushing touchdowns again. So he has to take a step in the passing game. I think it's possible, but we're going to have to see the verdicts out. I just don't. Miles Sanders is going to be healthy. Hopefully Kenny Gainwell should take a step, get some more volume in that rushing attack. We'll see. Yeah, I'm I'm interested. I I think I'll be drafting Jalen Hurts everywhere. I already kind of was before this, just because of the upside. I mean, you, you could get him at, at at you know for a QB twelve, QB ten price tag, and now it's obviously going to go up a little bit. Um, but the ceiling with his passing game goes up, as Nate alluded to. Um, I'm definitely in Jalen Hurts's corner. I, I'm I'm excited to see kind of where ADP shakes out here. We don't really have a good a good feel for it yet, especially uh, right after the draft, but. It's interesting, man. I mean, do you guys think it hurts AJ Brown's value a little bit? Because I personally was already off AJ Brown before this. Um, I just didn't see the upside. Um, I mean, he was wide receiver 32 last year, obviously banged up a little bit. Um, but just, you know, he was in the, the heaviest run offense there is. Now he goes to the second heaviest run offense as well. I mean, he's going to get targets. And volume is key for receivers. So I don't know that he necessarily, that AJ Brown takes a hit. Yeah. I don't think that his value is reduced at all, especially, you know, to field's point that he's 24 years old. Like this is his prime. Like he's going to do what he's going to do. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think he's going to be a top 12 ish wide receiver. Right? Mm -hmm. Again, I, I don't like to use the numbers. I would say he, he has the chance to be, uh, what I would describe as second tier, not those guys that I'm mm -hmm. counting on. Like, I think if he finishes wide receiver one this year, I would not be stunned, mm -hmm. but I would think a lot of things went in his favor. Whereas, but I think he could easily be a guy that consistently racks up 15 to 18 fantasy points, finishes with 84 catches, 100 and I don't know, 
1,257 yards and 12 touchdowns, I wouldn't be stunned at all. He's obviously awesome, and we've seen it with him in the past. So big questions for him are going to be uh, quarterback play. We talked about Jalen Hurts a minute ago. And then also uh, just health, right? I mean, this is a guy that missed a lot of time last year, part of the reason why a deal between he and Tennessee did not get done. Yep. Yeah, I'm sure A.J. Brown will once again keep Stefania, Stefania and you busy over there um, sure. on the Fantasy Focus podcast field. We appreciate your NFL insider insight, man. Um, we're going to go ahead and jump over into our off-season session and hear a little bit more about uh, Fields' transition to fatherhood. Let's jump into it. All right, I'm writing those drops, by the way, those are awesome. <laughs> yeah, cannot thank our video guy as well, Michael. Michael Third, he uh, he does all that. So, uh, Field, I want to start here, man. Just in general, last time we spoke, last time you were on the podcast, it was August. We've obviously experienced a ton in the world, a ton in the, the fancy football in the NFL world. But what's new in your world, man, since August? Yeah, so my wife and I welcomed our first child, which has been great. A baby girl in January, the day before the divisional round weekend of the playoffs. Uh, so it's been almost, let's call about three and a half months now. Um, it's been wonderful. It's been an incredibly gratifying experience. Um, I've said this a few times before that there are certain things in life that people describe to you and build them up in a, in a particular regard that they don't really come close to what you're expecting them to be. Parenthood is the exception where I've heard so much from so many people and I hear from friends who say, you don't know true love until you look your baby in the eye or yeah. you don't know what it's like to live for your, uh, live for someone beside yourself until you have a kid. Um, you don't know exhaustion until you've had a, a, a baby who, you know, babies do not sleep through the night uh, for many months to begin their lifetime. And all those things are true, right? It's been an unbelievable ride for us. And uh, I think, and, Jen, you already know this, but like mom's rule, ladies rule in general, like <laughs> work you guys put in for not just nine months, but after the baby arrives and for years and years and years beyond the baby's arrival, like mom's rule. Um, and I, I can't get over just how much uh, physical demand there is, but then the emotional side of it. Right. I mean, like the fatigue of being on whatever number of hours of sleep. But it's been great. We love it. We are having so much fun. My daughter's starting to develop personality. She's getting a little bit of a smile. She has certain things she loves. She's got tons of hair, which is super cute. Uh, gets along great with our dog. Like, you know, you're not going to find me complaining about much these days. So uh, that's been really cool. Yeah, it's hard to complain when you have this cute little you running around. And even if they're going to scream at you which Jackson did for the first, like, I don't know, six months of his existence. <laughs> it does. It's the weird, my tolerance for the smell of poop <laughs> and getting urine on me, vomit and screaming and loud noises. Like my tolerance has increased so much. Never thought it was possible. Totally. But, totally, but for man. a kid, for a kid, things you're not willing to do at other points in your life, you have a kid and you're like, Oh no. Okay. I can do that now. Yeah, absolutely. The, the marathon of having a kid definitely tests your strengths and your abilities, your patience. Um, agreed with the exhaustion thing. You've never been so exhausted until you have a newborn or starting. I mean, for women starting during labor, because that's yeah. like the oh, that's. Oh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but 
other things don't matter. Big mm. things that you thought mattered or that mattered to you before all of a sudden hold less weight if no weight at all. Yeah. Well said. Perspective comes uh, in a major way once you become a parent. So it's been awesome. It's been a ton of fun. Grateful for my wife and all that she's done and allowing me. I've had to get back to work because uh, we got to pay the bills still around here. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's been awesome. We've had a ton of fun. And, um, you know, I think the, the fun part about being a parent is that, like, not long after you have one, you're thinking, how about two? So uh, well, maybe one day we'll have a, another one running around. But we are thrilled right now to have one. And Cisco is sitting here saying, what about me? I'm, I was already here. So I do already have two. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, our cats went through a bit of a transitional phase with yeah. that. Like, wait a minute. Why do we need him? Being paid, right? <laughs> oh, shout out Brad Bolt. I just yeah. saw someone who popped in. I'm, he's up in Australia. Brad. Yes. Brad, awesome. is, Brad is a good friend of In Between Media. Yeah. Great person. Great, great human being over there. Brad's now a good friend of, of me as well. So that's really cool that he did that in Australia. Never been to Australia. I would love to go one day. Um, I had zero clue how many hours ahead they are. So it's 13 hours. My math is correct from the yeah. East Coast. Way to go, Brad. We appreciate you. So shout out, Brad. Yeah. Shout, shout out, out, Brad, man. indeed. Shout yeah, out, Brad. Shout too. out to the whole IBT family, man. We, we are so, you know, so thankful for all the support we get here in the community field. How has being a father transitioned um, just your outlook on life, man? Like, yeah. I, I feel like I've talked to Nate and Jen a lot about it. And like, you know, Nate kind of just talked about it a little bit, like suddenly some of the other things in life that seem so important really aren't so important. So has, has that changed anything, anything for you? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Jen was saying too, like, you know, you just like perspectives really uh, easy to come by once you become a parent. Um, and, you know, you learn a lot. There's a lot of self-reflection, but a lot of it is I, I felt um, I, I felt like my mind shifted from I used to think a lot more about the long term and about what I sort of wanted to do with myself and my life and my family. Um, and now sometimes it's just like, let's just go through today and enjoy it. I'm not saying that because it's a struggle. Like, you know, there are days that are challenging. It's part of being a parent. I can only imagine when you got multiple kids or three, four, five kids. I mean, I got on a plane recently and I see people with like three kids and I'm like, good Lord, God bless you. <laughs> yeah. good. good job. Um, and if that baby cries the entire way, like I don't give a damn because uh, that's okay. I know you can't control it. Um, but sometimes you're just like, you know what? Like, let's just, let's just figure out what we're going to have for dinner tonight. So um, yeah, it's, it's just been, it's been, it's been very, uh, it's, it's helped me. It's helped. I think it's helped both my wife and I and, um, yeah, I would say that you're probably thinking like a little bit more short term as opposed to longer term, which there's, there's nothing wrong with being sort of a forward thinker into the future. Um, it's just that like right now, I'm like, you know, the, the sort of the disposable time I have to be thinking about what I want to do 20 years from now is gone because I'm sitting here trying to figure out whether or not, you know, the baby's got a clean diaper or if she's a nap, if she's napping or not napping or anything in between. Mm-hmm. Just wait yeah. until you're researching schools. Oh, yeah. Can't wait for that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what you were saying about the plane and changing perspective, um, I was very, very aware and sensitive about how loud Jackson was in stores and restaurants. Um, and his first plane plane trip, he was eight months old. And I wish I hadn't put so much effort into that worry because every single person who's a parent understands this is what happens. It's just a part of life. And, and mostly I feel for you, you know, like (laughs) I know those moments and I, 
didn't care for him, but um, kind of letting yourself off the hook for this general expectation that children should be quiet at all times. I mean, that we changed did, immediately. We did take our, our baby on a flight and she was great. But what was really cool was we had a, a flight attendant who came up. Uh, this was JetBlue. So shout out this flight attendant from JetBlue. I wish I could. I wish I had her name. And she said, if anybody says anything to you, let me know and I'll straighten them out. And <laughs> this was before the flight even began. And we we're like, wow. all right, that's a good comfort zone to have, you know, knowing mm -hmm. that like, if someone starts looking at you funny, makes a snide comment, you've got someone in your corner, which is cool. Yeah. I think our first flight, Nate, didn't we get upgraded on that flight? Yeah. The, the flight attendant came over and was like, oh my goodness, he's so cute. Would you guys like a row to yourself? Like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, that'd be great. Yeah, because yes, he was he was on our lap. He didn't have his own seat at eight months yeah. old. So And the was... poor like 20-year-old sitting next to us is like questioning his life Thank decisions being God. on that plane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was quite relieved. Yeah. It's okay. They can survive one flight. You're 20 yeah. years old. You get the whole life. You get your whole world in front of you. You'll survive <laughs> one small air, like one quick uh, flight. It's all good. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Totally. So, Phil, what's been the most surprising thing for you be about becoming a father? Um, That's a good question. So, I would say the most surprising thing so far um, has been like just how like sometimes babies can just be so formulaic. Like, you know, we'd always heard them developing patterns, but like our daughter, we try to put her down around eight o'clock, which as you know, parents, anybody can attest to like, sometimes you have a goal and the goal gets missed, right? Eight might be nine, eight might be 7.30 cause she's exhausted. Eight might be, who knows? Uh, but it's almost clockwork. It's like 11.45 PM, she's up. Whether she goes to bed at eight, wow. or she goes to bed at 10, she's up at 11.45 for her first wake. And she's back down. And then somewhere between 3.30 and 3.45, she's back up again. And it's like not 3.27, not 3.51. It's 3.30 to 3.45. <laughs> and you're just like, even if she goes to bed at like 11.50, like or 11.32, like she's going to wake up at 11.45, just bizarre. So uh, that part has always kind of cracked this up. Although we should have been a little bit like predisposed to it because our dog is similar, right? Cisco every day is like, you, you get to a certain minute and he's like, all right, it's, it's time for me to go eat. Um and right around 5 p.m., uh, he'll be ready to go down and have some dinner. So um, I suppose that when we talk about creatures of habit, like I should realize like how just how like that's developed at a very young age. Like you don't become yeah. a creature of habit in your teens. Like you're either you, you're probably born as one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and, and scheduling. I know it sounds crazy, but oh, scheduling man. for a, a baby, a child, a toddler, it's very comforting for them because they know what to expect. So oh. we started sleep training Jackson quite early, earlier than most, because A, we love our sleep. So the more yeah, of yeah. it, the better. Um, but that's really helped us along the way is that initial sleep training that we went through, which was hard. And there are many different methods of it. Um, but he still, no matter what time he goes to bed at night, he is up at like 6.30 on the dot most mornings. Exception yep. was yesterday when he decided to wake up at 5. And that was... <laughs> that was <laughs> yeah, but the first 11-hour night we got out of him, he was uh, six months old. And it was like, hallelujah. You didn't yeah. need to eat. You didn't <laughs> have a freak out. Like, it was the most rested I have 
ever felt in my entire life. Well, after we were done panicking, because we're like, oh my God, it's 730. Oh no, what did we do? Where is he? What happened? And we went in and he was still asleep. It's like, oh. Oh, well. He's fine. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. I can feel that that day coming. It feels like it's a long ways away right now, but it's coming at some point. It's coming. It's coming. Um, Have you learned any tricks or anything, any hacks, anything you guys have used to... I don't know. Get her to stop crying or anything like so that. She's a, she's definitely a pacifier baby, which, you know, there's some healthy debates about whether you should or shouldn't use them. We decided that like our big parenting strategy is to not um, project onto others. And if others want to project on us, we're probably going to ignore it for the most part. You got to do what works for the baby. Um, but I am sort of the ace in the hole when it comes, like when she's starting to get tired and you can tell she needs a nap, but she won't like sort of put herself down. I've got come up with a couple of the special tricks of I've got the, we've got a medicine ball that we, that we bounce on. And then she likes the oh, nice. turn her inwards and you kind of nuzzle her face against your sweatshirt or whatever you're wearing. And she's like, Oh, you are telling me to look into the dark. security <laughs> and go to bed. So uh, when my wife is in a pinch, she, I'm usually the one that takes her for, uh, for, for putting her down. And then I try to handle as much of the nighttime stuff as I can, just because my wife is, Working very hard uh, as any mom would, um, and very appreciative of that. So I try to do as much of the nighttime stuff as I can. And yeah, to the big thing that I've learned is like if you can, if you can master the one hand in a bottle. Like that's a pretty impressive skill. Like you could hold the baby in your arm and also put the the bottle in. Like that right there gives you the flexibility. If you're downstairs, you pick your phone up. I right, gotta do this, that, and the other. So very, um, you know. There are a lot of different ways to uh, to, to figure out some life hacks. It's been a, an important one. Yeah, the oh. one-handed thing is huge. I figured that yeah, one out pretty huge, quickly because totally. I never yeah. got there. <laughs> yeah, well, I was right. doing budgets and crazy stuff, and he had to be held at all times and in, in the beginning. And so it's like master this one arm thing with the bottle in your arms, in your like crook of your arm, then you can actually free yourself to do anything. Yeah. Like apparently have a beer according to Bo. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> yeah. And Nate did most of the nighttime stuff for me as Good well, man. which was a huge relief because I was working and um, being able to just sleep for stretches of even five hours at a time was oh, five hours and a half is like an eternity, right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, right. Yep. Coming back from Vegas, I had a four and a half, five hour flight, and I thought it was going to be, I was like, oh, I'm dialed in, I'm going to f- sleep the entire time. And of course, you can't sleep, right? That's the yep. other thing yeah. is that yep. I uh, have been away for work on a couple of occasions, and I got to Vegas. I'm thinking to myself, my first commitment local time was like noon. I got up at 4 30 a.m. Wow. <laughs> Uh, now in Vegas, you're not the only person awake, right? You go downstairs and there's in your hotel, which is a casino, and it's like the place is bumping. But I'm the only person. Like, everybody else is looking for shots. I'm looking for, for coffee. I'm like, give me a yeah. <laughs> yeah. Field. What what hotel did you stay in uh, out in Vegas? Uh, out of the Caesars, which is really cool. Uh, okay. It was. Uh, I remember when I checked in. I told my wife. I said I, I checked in. I got there late. Uh, Wednesday night, and I had like a one mile walk from where I checked into my hotel room. That's Caesars for you. It's crazy. It's like, yeah. I mean, not literally a mile, it was more like half a mile, but it was pretty much as far as you could possibly be from where I checked in. Awesome. Yeah. Well, they got to make you walk crazy. through the casino. Like, you've got to mm-hmm. walk through the casino. They're trying to totally. catch you, make you gamble. 
Well, the, the thing about that, about Caesars, is that like every third room is a casino. Every other room is a casino. It's like yeah. casino, restaurant, casino, hotel check-in area, casino, convenience store, more casino, or, you know, slot machines yeah. or whatever, mm-hmm. big sports bar. So um, I got to do my, my expense report still. And uh, that'll be one where it's <laughs> just, just, your, just getting your breakfast money paid back will be worth it after you, know, <laughs> you go to Starbucks or you go somewhere and get a coffee and a bagel and it's 25 bucks. That's yeah. again, it's all yeah. worth it. Great experience out there. Pretty fun. Yeah. It's definitely, fun. A, definitely a life changing experience out there in Vegas awesome. field. How has, you know, you wear so many hats as it is, you know, on ESPN being an NFL insider, hosting the podcast with Matt, Matthew and uh, Stefania and, and Daniel and those guys over there. What has it been like adding one more hat now, being a father? Like, how are you juggling all this? Because it doesn't seem easy from an outsider's point of view at all. Well, it's kind of you to say, you know, something. I don't know that I look at it as like, um, it's, I mean, I think everybody's job is a challenge in different ways to them. So I don't, I, I but I try not to consider myself, I'm not like, uh, you know, not carrying some sort of significant burden. I think the big thing is that uh, the reason why I like to wear a lot of different hats is that. I'm passionate about football at its core, but a lot of different things about football. I like, I love obviously watching the game and the X's and O's and the film breakdown and the scouting side of it. I like the contract side of it. I like the transaction side of it during the off season. I love the fantasy part of it, obviously. And, you know, at ESPN, we've got so many talented people that, you know, you can't just sort of stay the course and expect things to always go your way because there are enough people that you got to sort of find ways to fit in. And um, that's been sort of the motivation is that like, if there's a role for me to host the podcast or if there's a role for me to do some draft coverage or if there's a role for me to do a little bit of this or that, then that's how I sort of take advantage of it. So that's kind of always been my mentality is uh, there's an old Bill Parcells saying, the more you can do, the more you can do. And that's a mentality that I've followed. That's awesome. That's, you know, that, that's something I think so many people shy away from today is that we're you know afraid to say no sometimes and we're afraid to get outside of our comfort zone. I think you're a great example of, of someone who who shows that it's okay. It's okay to take that risk. It's okay to take that chance um, and try to do as much as you can. So I appreciate that, man. For sure. Yeah. I would say that's, um, you know, I'm not sure how many people out there are listening or watching right now and saying like, I need career advice, but I think it's a reasonable thing for anybody in any career to um, want to do as much as the he or she possibly can, because uh Experience is extremely difficult to come by, but once you have it, it's extremely valuable to learn from. 100%. And, and well, Nate, Nate and Jen, man, they they absolutely embody that. Like totally. they, they hear it in between media. I mean, they do everything. They they edit. They can do social media. They can do graphics, the podcast. Nate's been on our golf show. Like the, the, these guys, I mean, Nate also writes for 50 different publications and, and Jen's <laughs> editing for Fantasy Pro. So these guys know about that for sure. We're busy, but we love every second of it. Yeah, well, it beats having a job, right? Right. Yeah. Honestly, we always yeah, say, yeah, you can have some fun. It's it doesn't feel like a job that much. is, is cool. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, Field, we appreciate your insight, man. Um, into fatherhood, I definitely learned a lot. Um, I'll definitely you bookmark this. Monday, Seth. You'll be there. Pick your time. You will. Yeah. Go at your own pace. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hopefully, yeah. Yep. Hopefully, a couple years from now. Um, nice. But I'll definitely bookmark this episode and come back. Um, I'll try to start working on the one-handed thing, maybe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> football hold is also a good one. Practice yeah, there you yeah. go. There you yeah. go. All right, guys. Let's go ahead and jump into our final segment of the show. Would you rather? 
so much fun playing this game with field last time he was on we figured we'd play it one more time with him you guys know the game it's would you rather we're going to give field um nate and jen two options and then they can say which they would rather some are fantasy related some are lifestyle related first question here for you guys would you rather have to only drink one beer for the rest of your life one singular type of beer or have only breakfast foods for every meal for the rest of your life so I have a question. So yes. is that like you can only drink the pineapple Trulies for the yes. rest of your life? Or is it like you have to stick to Trulies in general? One one brand, one type of beer. Yes. Ooh, that's, yeah. I'm going to go with have breakfast foods for every meal for the rest of my life. I actually love breakfast foods. Like you name it. I went to a new breakfast spot this morning. I've never been to before. It was awesome. Like you throw me a good breakfast, Sammy. I'm in. And you can, you know, you got pancakes, you got waffles. You've got toast, you got eggo waffles, which, you know, when you got kids, like that's huge. It's a huge hit in the household, obviously. Um, you know, you got yogurt parfaits. If you want to fancy yourself a healthy type, granola, overnight oats. Yeah, a lot of different variety there. I'm going breakfast here. And of course, yeah. like a million different kinds of bagels, obviously, too. That's why I'm oh. going breakfast as well. I mean, there's just too much variety there. You can have steak for breakfast if you really wanted or chicken for that breakfast if you wanted. Yeah. Right. So like you, you can incorporate all of your normal regular foods just in a different chicken fried fashion mm. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no it, yeah. it's 100 percent breakfast because if you're going to saddle me to Coors Light for the rest of my life I'm probably just going <laughs> to stop drinking <laughs> you guys healthy probably- option God. healthy but, option you know yeah you guys probably know my know my answer I'll, I'd be content with bush light for the rest of my life and uh just just give me all the regular foods I, I'm not a huge breakfast food person honestly I don't know I I, I, I dabble a little bit, but it's not really my jam. So we'll work on that. Don't worry. <laughs> you haven't had the right breakfast. Apparently not. Apparently not. Um, guys, next question for you here. Would you prefer to draft a Brees Hall in the third round? We don't have good ADP yet. So I'm kind of just, I'm kind of just making this up right now, but I'm going to guess Brees Hall is going to fall somewhere in the third round. He's with the New York Jets now. Um, RIP Michael Carter. <laughs> or would you rather take Kenneth Walker in the fifth round of redrafts? Kenneth Walker now with the Seattle Seahawks. We don't know the status of Chris Carson right now after that neck surgery. Yeah. Um, th- th- there's a possibility he might come back, but we're not totally sure. Rashad Penny is back for this um, upcoming year, but he has been injured throughout his career. Field, I want to start with you, man. Which rookie RB would you invest in here in redraft? Yeah, at this point of the offseason, I'm going to go with Brees Hall, just a clearer path, right? Like Kenneth Walker is going to have to beat out a player in Rashad Penny, who was the best running back in terms of rush yards per game over the past six or so weeks last season. So Brees Hall for me in the third. Yeah, same. Brees Hall. Yeah, I think we can all agree for the same reasons. I Not, not to slight Walker in any way, but Brees Hall just, I mean, he, he's almost more ra- well-rounded as well. Yeah. So. Man, I, I wouldn't be surprised, though, if if Kenneth Walker maybe hadn't. Like, I know Kenneth Walker doesn't have a, a great history of receiving work. Um, I, I, I put a little bit of that into Michigan State's system. 
But mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if Kenneth Walker had a little more success in the passing game. Rashad Penny doesn't really have that profile. I'm not expecting Chris Carson to be back personally. Um, I just think Michael Carter is still a pretty good back. I think he's going to get a lot of that receiving work. And Zach Wilson isn't really the quarterback to check down a lot. So I think with Brees Hall, you're going to be, you know, really relying on them to get into the red zone a little bit more and have more scoring opportunities, um, which I just, I just don't know. I don't know if I can trust that quite yet. Um, but, it, you know, it's really pick your poison here. Do you want Zach Wilson or do you want uh, Nate and Jen's uh, old friend Drew Locke out there in Seattle? Fair enough. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, okay. So, Field, this question specifically for you here, man. Um, okay. So you already wear a ton of hats. I, I want to throw some hypothetical hats at you here. Would okay. you rather have to do college game day this fall with Herb Street and the boys, or would you rather um, have to cover a month worth of NASCAR races with your guy, Marty Smith? Yeah. So first of all, I love Marty Smith. This is not personal. I just have such greater passion for college football than I do NASCAR. I, I'm, I'm into F1 a little bit more these days, but I, I'm not, I'm not Mike Clay. I think Mike Clay would say for sure NASCAR, but I'm a college football guy. So I go to college game day. Would you, would you be comfortable like being, I mean, their schedule has to be insane to be all, you know, be on set Saturday mornings early travel, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I, I would hope so. You know, I always look at it as, uh, you know, preparation is in what you love. And so for me, like, staying on top of all the information, hopefully would be a byproduct of loving the sport enough that you cover that you find a way to do so amidst all that travel. Awesome. Awesome. Love it. All right. Last one here for you guys. Would you rather draft Malik Willis? He's now with the Tennessee Titans or Desmond Ritter, who is a surprise QB two off the board going to Atlanta in dynasty formats. Nate, want to start with you, man. I like Malik Willis's long-term upside a little bit more than Desmond Ritter, but you can't argue with the system that Ritter's in with Drake London and Kyle Pitts, see what they do at running back. But I'm probably still going to go Malik Willis. I I just feel like his ceiling's a little bit higher. Okay. Field? I'm going to go with Malik Willis as well. And I think that when you're debating two players who are not locked to become a starter this year, or maybe ever, right? Third third round picks are not guaranteed to become starters, um, especially if a year from now, Tennessee and or Atlanta dips into a very strong quarterback class, especially Atlanta. I don't think it's going to be very good this year. Um, I'll go with, with Malik Willis, though. So Malik Willis, as, as Nate said, more upside, better athlete, fun, fun guy to watch. Just, um, you know, crew of the NFL uh, evaluated him as a guy that's not not close to being ready to start right now. Awesome. Yeah, same, same here. I mean, I, I love Desmond Ritter I, as a as a person, as a human being. I think he's bringing good energy to the locker room there in Atlanta. But, I mean, you can't really argue between the talent of Malik Willis versus Desmond Ritter. It's got to be Malik. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's interesting. It's an interesting thing going on right now in Tennessee. Did you guys see the comments by Ryan Tannehill that he's not there to mentor Malik Willis? I thought that was – Definitely uh, an, an, an interesting comment there from Tannehill. Yeah, it was interesting. <clears throat> I um, asked the question on Twitter, would you be willing to mentor someone if you knew they were going to take your job within the next two years? It's been interesting responses, but the majority of people seem to think that Ryan Tannehill is in the wrong here, mm. which. Well, it's if, not like Tannehill's getting a promotion and that's why he's training him. Like, right. you, yeah. you're gone. Yeah. You're done. I mean, the argument largely has been, well, he makes $30 million. Like, so what? 
Yeah, hopefully, hopefully he was investing and saving. I'm sure they were being savvy with that. Um, I mean, I, I think the end of the, the day here, though, Ryan Tannehill, if he's not the the starter in Tennessee in 2023, I think he's still good enough to be a, a back end starter somewhere. Fair yeah. enough, man. I can't believe we're yeah. talking about 2023. It's such a weird business for him, but I get it. I get it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, Field, we appreciate you being on today so much. Jen and Nate, I appreciate you guys being here as well. Um, Field, any final thoughts, man, for the podcast uh, as we head into the what, what I hope is, you know, the chill time of the NFL offseason? Yeah. Uh, I appreciate you guys having me on. I appreciate all that you guys do, the energy and passion you have. And you're right. Uh, we hope it's the, the chill three months. This offseason has taught us to expect anything but. Yes. However, I have a feeling that we've seen the vast majority of the crazy blockbuster moves. All right. Well, there you heard it. For Field, for Jen and Nate, I'm Seth. Thank you so much for tuning in to the In Between Fantasy Football Podcast. We'll be back here in two weeks. Until then, guys, keep it in between. Your destination for both some feel-good lifestyle advice and some fantasy football advice. 